Hello, and welcome to the Meltdown City Podcast with your hosts, Nicole Johnson and Allie Sundet. Our podcast is about reckoning with our restlessness and figuring out where we want to go next. We hope to laugh, inspire, and connect. Thanks for listening. Hey, Allie. Hey, Nicole. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Babelicious? Great. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> I've got all kinds of like nervous energy. You do? Yeah. Because this is such a dope topic. It's so dope. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. You guys are probably wondering what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) We're on, uh, well, this is the Meltdown City podcast, as you just heard on the intro. But um, we've just last week's episode was Travel Tales. A week before that was Nicholas Williams' awesome interview. Um, Today we're taking a detour, but it's all encompassing and and melting down. Yeah. We're talking about love and relationships today and like navigating modern love and all that good stuff. So it'll be fun. There's some good juicy stuff in here. Yeah. I think we're going to talk about some stuff I frankly haven't even talked about to anybody. I know. I know. And stuff that we have been like starting to talk to our partners about for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty raw, pretty cool. Hopefully you guys will get something really good out of it. Um, So do you want to talk about our author? Yeah. And couples therapist that we're highlighting today? Yeah, so that's Esther Perel. So Allie and I, she read the book Mating in Captivity. Uh, But anyway, sorry. Esther Perel wrote the book Mating in Captivity. Captivity. She has another book that just came out called The State of Affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a well-known, renowned couples therapist. She has a lot of TED Talks. We also listened to Modern Love, which was a talk that she did um, at South by Southwest. And um, also we listened to Rethinking Infidelity, which is a TED Talk she did. So yeah. Gonna- so we're going to kind of like like organize the the conversation around like her three main you know topics that we read and really got a lot of insight out of and um kind of unpack those a little bit and then um kind of share some personal stories I guess about you know how how things are going yeah yeah there's a lot to unpack and also to share we'll see what we really share (laughs) Yeah. It's <laughs> so, a bit of a feels, feels risky. Yeah, but But I it's mean, all good. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. I think it's so exciting though because this is a topic that everybody can really relate to. Like, I mean, the way Esther talks in her first TED Talk that I heard her talk about was this is this is a topic for anyone who's ever loved. You know, and I think that regardless of how long your relationship, how long you've been in a relationship, if you're married, if you're not married, all of this stuff applies, um, <clears throat> especially the first topic, which is like modern love and how how um, how difficult it is to adjust and change and think about how the landscape of relationships is changing right, you know, Under along with feet. all of us. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just, you know, we used to think... Um, that, you know, marriage was forever, mm-hmm. but, you know, the divorce rate is really high. And I think that the important part that people should take away you know, from the beginning is that we're really hopeful that this will encourage people to 
stay together and work on their relationships, you yeah. know, cause it's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of good gems in here. Yeah. And, and, uh, every couple has their, their issue that they, they deal with. I feel like there's always, I mean, I think Rob and I have like one or two things that are sort of re- repetitious. Um, but, uh, cer- certainly it's relatable. Um, I'm, I was just thinking when we got, when Rob and I got married, which was in 2006, mm-hmm. um, I like, I didn't really think about the idea of not getting married. It was, very, and now when I think about that I'm married, I'm like, wow, it's so traditional of me to have gotten married. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, and I'm, and I'm happy I did, but yeah. like just the idea that mm-hmm. this institution uh, is you know, people are are in polyamorous relationships or all kinds of relationships, or they've decided that they're just never going to get married because that's kind of like an archaic custom. custom. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating idea. I'm certainly happy I'm married, but it's, uh, it's funny. I feel slightly fuddy duddy. Yeah. Like a fuddy duddy. It's it's funny that you (laughs) mentioned that Nicole, because Andrew and I weren't married and we never intended to be married because we were both very anti-establishment. We're like, we want to be together because we choose to be. And then we had our first child and we really took that as a sign of, well, gosh, if you have a child, you're committed for life. You know, that's really all the glue you need. Yeah. But then we were like, let's just have a party and get married. You know, and I actually, it was probably my idea, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that our, our, our real truth is that we're, we're kind of non-traditional people who decided yeah. to get married just because of tax reasons and, you know, yeah. but I think there's a lot of untraditional people out there who yeah. are, who are still married. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about modern love and the way that Esther Perel talks about it is that it used to be this sort of economic uh, um, um, uh, contract, contractual agreement, kind of like you needed your, what was it that? Yeah, I can read the passage. Oh, yeah, great. You want me to? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it says, historically, monogamy was an ex- um, externally imposed system of control over women's reproduction. Which child is mine? Who gets the cow when I die? Fidelity as a mainstay of patriarchal society was uh, about lineage and property. It had nothing to do with love. Today, particularly in the West, it has everything to do with love. When marriage shifted from a contractual arrangement to a matter of the heart, faithfulness became a mutual expression of love and commitment. Once a social prohibition directed at women, fidelity is now a personal choice for both sexes. Conviction has replaced convention. So that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yeah, totally. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now we get together because we love, we we have romantic love, right? We don't, it's not about, um, our, um, you know, being, being taken care of necessarily. It's about, it's about loving, having love, being happy, um, which is a new construct because it wasn't about having, being, being, married for happiness it was about being married you could be married for so that you could procreate and have a family and Mm -hmm. um and i i really um was when i was listening to her ted talk um i was just like um taken away by this idea that now we 
we were searching for our soulmate. We're, yeah. as Courtney calls it, her LPSM life partner soulmate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're searching for a soulmate, and that's what we want. But it used to be something historically that was that was soulmate meant God. Mm-hmm. So then we put all these things that on this person, this one person to be all the things. Yeah. The, the lover, the best friend, the parent, the yeah. provider, the, or not, I don't know about provider, but whatever, all the things of, you know, your, your absolute everything. Right. But that's what, that's what was, we, we used to put that on God. Now I put it mm-hmm. on a person. That's a lot. Yeah, it's it's actually, um, you're totally right about that. And, and the other thing that we're always dealing with, I think in long-term relationships is you want, when, when you guys become a couple, you want this person to choose you. You want them to, you know, yeah. turn away from everybody else. Yeah. And you want them to, um, you know, profess their love to you. And, and it's just like this, everything you want, you want the security yeah. But with that security, like the flame goes down, you know, oh, and, right. and you have less passion and all of the things that made you want that person so bad and chase them that, yeah. that, that distance and yeah. that, that air, she, she's constantly talking about how desire needs, you know, or, or a flame needs air, yeah. you know, and it needs this distance to yeah. be really hot and smoky and, and sexy mm-hmm. and lustful. Yeah. But what, when we're first getting together, like all you want them to do, you just want to smother the shit out of that flame. And, and then it's just like security habit routine, right. you know, and you're like, Oh my God, now I'm here and I'm bored as fuck. And I'm, there's no, you know, right. Oh my God. Like somebody, just got routine. somebody like, Light, light me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please excite me. You right. Know, surprise me. Do anything, you know? Right. And so I think it's very interesting to be in, in that place where you're like, I need a little distance. I need a little excitement. I, I need something to, um, you know, because once you have all that security, you, you automatically want the opposite. Yes. You right. I, there's that it's, security is, is, um, the opposite of that's like adventure and, and yeah. you, so you need to that sense of adventure and, um, to, to see, seek desire. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fascinating idea. I just had a thought, but God damn it, it's gone. Well, it'll come back to you. <laughs> it will. I can tell you a funny story that made me actually really excited about my husband and make, made me look at him in a different light. Um, just over this past weekend, we went to the Seattle Art Museum and he was like dressing himself in, in the bathroom that we share. And he was like, hey, do you have any earrings I could wear? And I was like, oh, of course, like have at it. I have a ton of them. And he like picked this like glittery black ball and then this this gray like diamond encrusted hoop (laughs) and I was like not only did he pick earrings but he picked really like flashy earrings and he was like I'm gender fluid you know I don't really I'm just gonna look the part I'm going to see art I want to be you know part of the culture you know the art scene and I was like oh my god who are you who are you and so it made me wonder it created the sense of mystery and intrigue and 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 dissolute, you know, like who, who is this person that I've been living with for the last 10 years? Who's going out, you know, into society looking differently than they normally did. And it was just really cute. Cause I was like, Hmm, you know, like very excited. Yeah. And was like thinking about how, um, he had a few tricks up his sleeve that I didn't know about. And That's I thought that was really fun and exciting. It's really sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Even though a lot of people are going to be like, maybe 
huh, maybe he's, you know, a cross-dressing transvestite and you just don't know it yet. And he's, you know, the next Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Well, I mean, could be. And I I would still love him anyway. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's sexy. I think it's sexy to have somebody who does things that you don't expect. Yeah. You know, and to be a little bit, (laughs) um, a little bit um, keeping you guessing. I was just telling Allie my funny kind of story today, which (laughs) 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 I was off work today. And home. I worked the last couple days <clears throat> and um, Rob showed up in the middle of the day and I was like, Ooh, you're, you're coming, you're, you're coming home and you know, he's working late and he's doing some um, design review meeting over in Queen Anne or something tonight. And I was like, Ooh, you're so, you're so excited. You just decided to come home and not tell me. And Allie was, was <laughs> like, well, it is his house too. <laughs> Just need to call, but anyway, I was expecting some sort of a notice that he would be coming home, but no, nope, he just showed up and ex- and I was like, "Wow, yeah, it doesn't take much to get me like, right to surprise me." <laughs> wow. But anyway, um, I think I think one of the things that mystery is like really important, and mm-hmm. to, and I think that's the thing that's so can be so exciting about when you first get together with somebody, you don't know them, then they're into you and there's intrigue and desire and all of that. And, uh, it's good to cultivate that in a marriage still like, yeah. you know, do some, do some things outside of the norm. Yeah. Um, it was anyway. actually, yeah, I can tell another story about this book. There, there's a, there's a part where the great thing about Esther's books too, is she talks about like the couples that she actually counsels and gives you, you know, an insight into other people's worlds. And so this one guy was really, he wasn't feeling into his wife anymore until her best friend came into town and oh. the best friend was like an art dealer in New York. And she was really fabulous and totally exciting and new. And, um, and one day, like the, the wife was going to go out with the best friend and they, and she just like kind of nonchalantly asked him if he wanted to go along and he accepted the invitation. And so they were out to dinner and he was watching, you know, just sitting back, not saying a word, letting the two girls talk. And the woman, his wife was talking about how let down she had felt about having children and about how everyday life is just drudgery and how she wished she could have a life more like her friend's life. And in those moments and in those words and in that moment of observation, he was able to see his wife as a new person, as an individual mm-hmm. that, that he had kind of ignored, you know, because when your parents <coughs> or when you're just in a long-term relationship, you were yeah. talking about it today where you're like, yeah. what'd you have for lunch today? Just like really boring shit yeah. that that's like, Mm, you know, well, who's going to get groceries? Yeah. All that boring shit that right. like Mundane. is habitual and and kills romance. Mm-hmm. Um, he was she, he was like, wow, I didn't really realize that you were that you thought about your life this way, and that you also crave something more and something exciting and something mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And so that moment turned him around because he was like, oh my god, I'm looking at my wife in a new way, and mm-hmm. we have more in common than I had thought. And mm-hmm. you know, it was it was like kind of a turnaround moment for them. I, mm-hmm. I really liked that passage. Yeah, that yeah. was super uh, interesting that mm-hmm. that they both hadn't ever they never talked about that privately, and it came out mm-hmm. publicly. You know, and you know what? Actually, I'm not surprised by that. I, and yeah. the reason why is because women talk about this shit all the time with each other. That's but true. You never talk about it with your spouse. Yeah, and I don't know if it, I think it's a. And I want to read more about this. I'm so interested in like 
feminism and, and the, the female bond. But I feel like women have so needed to come together historic, you know, f- through history mm-hmm. to just survive mm-hmm. the brutality of being a female on the planet mm-hmm. with, you know, sharing life with men. And, um, you know, that they've formed bonds that are, you know, so strong that you, you're just willing to talk about. I think it's biological. Things. Perhaps, you know, because I think, you know, uh, men were off trying to go and and get the food and and provide all the provisions for their offspring. And women were just hanging out together, raising the the children while the men were often gone. Spending much more time together. Yeah. And the men are out there hunting and probably competing for food for their families and things like that. And so obviously there wouldn't be as much communication there. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on it, but (laughs) that's, that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, do you want to talk about, do you want to keep talking about this modern love piece? We can, we can just, I think there's more, we can fluidly keep going on whatever, tangent we want to because it's it's all very much intertwined i think she starts out many of the talks similarly yeah that's true um she so what i listened to we both listened to this talk she did called rethinking infidelity and it blew my mind mm-hmm. you know i think sometimes personally i don't like to think about infidelity because i feel mm-hmm. like if i think it's gonna like wind its way up into my marriage or in my life yeah. or whatever yeah I, talk, I mean, it's a thing that yeah. exists, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and I, maybe it stems from the fact that I've had a couple of unfaithful boyfriends over the years. Mm-hmm. But it's probably where it comes from. Yeah. So now I'll talk about that shithead someday. Anyway. Oh, yeah. But anyway, or, well, I won't, or I won't because it's boring. Um, or he's boring. Um, anyway, uh, but the thing that was so interesting about infidelity and why people cheat cheat was because they want to have a feeling of being alive like they're stuck in a rut and maybe it's these people that are totally faithful would never in a million years want to want to be unfaithful Mm -hmm. but it's just like a moment like a transgression or something puts them over the edge maybe Mm -hmm. they've had a loss or something in their life that has made them rethink their own mortality mm-hmm. or their own life or trajectory mm-hmm. being with this person. They're like, I, I want to feel alive. I want to do this thing. And then they end up having an affair. Yeah. And I think, and I think a lot, we, we kind of forgot to talk about how um, much longer people live. Oh, right. <laughs> than they That's used right. to. That has a, a bearing, a, a big impact on why people. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. People, people were not together as long. We have, right. we had a much shorter lifespan. Yeah. So, you know, you may be looking at being with your partner for 20 years, but now you're looking at it for 60. Exactly. And that's a, that's a hell of a long time to be, you know, but the same know, person. Exactly. Monogamous, faithful, whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> you want to call it, but yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think that she really underscored and I was shocked too. Like, and, and that's why I, I think that I started reading this book at 41 because I don't, I don't know if I've talked about Moonstruck yet is one of my favorite no, movies No, we haven't of all talked time. about it. 
But but Olympia Dukakis calls out her husband for having like a, an affair with another woman out in the open. I don't know if they're sleeping together or not, but she was like, you're afraid of death, you know? And it's like, mm. you're ab- that's absolutely right. Like, I don't want to die without having, you know, like kissed another person one more time or, you know, yeah. like you start fearing death and you start making irrational decisions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So, um, <clears throat> it's very interesting or like the death of a parent or just being so, um, mired down in in routine and monotony and and parenting can do that too where you're just like i just want a little fear and you know dangerousness living on the edge a little bit exactly like i just want to touch the fire you know you just want to touch the flame (laughs) you know like don't play with fire i i have to or i'm gonna die you know people people actually i've actually never really been super judgmental about people who have affairs i know that there are people who do like certain friends of ours who will be like i i cannot respect that individual yeah they cheated people will do whatever they have to to survive and stay alive whether that be cheating to get out of a bad relationship or whether you know or whatever you know people will just do what they do and it's 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 right or wrong you know and everybody will have their opinion about that Mm -hmm. but as humans are human that we're imperfect yeah and we we do whatever the fuck we you know yeah our brain is telling us to do to do to survive. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one thing is also about this whole if rethinking infidelity that, um, you know, people are, we're sexual beings, Yeah. you know, and obviously continue to be sexual beings as we're, as we age and get older and all of that. And, um, in the mundane, within the mundane, how do you deal with your own desire? Right. Or how do you satisfy your own desire? I think we're going to talk about a little bit, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. I think so. Anyway, when we talk about the shadow of the third, which that's coming up. Yeah. But um, one thing that came out of this whole talk was that a lot of times infidelity isn't, will not actually um, kill the relationship. It will invigorate the relationship. So like, um, because all bets are off because someone's like, oh, well, you fucking had an affair. And so yeah. I'm just going to go to couples counseling or whatever. I'm just going to tell you how I really feel because there's no point in holding it back. Mm-hmm. They come to find out that actually, you know, oh yeah, I wasn't happy over here either. And this thing was really, I need this thing in my life too. And let's reevaluate everything. Let's just turn our relationship on its head. And yeah. so we can talk openly and honestly about everything, whatever yeah. is lurking under there. Yeah. Right. And, and, so, and there, I think you become the beginning of a brand new couple, right? Where you've met for the first time across the table on a blind date, or however right. it was that you met when you're actually having interesting, real, you know, deep, intimate conversations. Mm-hmm. Though, I mean, I think people start off very intimate, you know, because yeah. my husband always jokes. He's like, people who are falling in love are, are ridiculous. Their behavior is so they're like babies. Like they they like <laughs> are so you know, you're so interested in learning anything there mm-hmm. is to know about that person. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just like, ah, oh, the, you know, the pheromones and all that yeah. good Biology. stuff is happening mm. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and one of our quotes is like marriage is imperfect. We start with a desire for oneness and then we discover our differences. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but my husband and I got together pretty quickly. Like we, we met, um, we fell in love and we decided we 
to have children. You know, we're both kind of in our early thirties. We, we both wanted a family. We, we were like ready to go on the journey. And I think that one thing that's really important for us to do now after our, all of our procreation years are kind of over and yeah. we're kind of realizing that we're humans and that we're going to be together for the next 40 years. Yeah. It, it's really important to stop and think and renegotiate the terms of our relationship. And one of the things that um, I have recently, you know, asked his kind of permission for, or, you know, after having read this or, or listening to the Ted talk, I, I, I learned the importance of, Making sure there's no deception or, yeah. you know, asking, you know, just making sure it's not a secret. Cause that's one of the, the things that she talks about is like, what makes affairs so exciting? And it's like, I don't want this to be a secret. I just want to say, is it all right if I have lunch with an old friend or, you know, yeah. and, and this person happens to be of the opposite sex. And to be honest with you, I was super nervous to ask the question. Yeah. You know, oh. because I hadn't ever had a male friend that he was aware of. You know, we got together very quickly. I, he'd probably, he'd, we don't, we haven't swapped a lot of stories about our past, to be mm. perfectly honest mm. with you. He doesn't know a lot about my ex-boyfriends. I don't think he wants to, you know, he, yeah. he's fairly traditional. Mm -hmm. um, so when I asked that, um, I think, and he's learned quite a bit and read a lot of books in between the first time I asked and now, but I think that he was really curious about why, what are you mm. going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. What are you going to get out of this interaction yeah. with the opposite sex that I can't give you? Yeah. You know, and it's like, I think we'll go into this a little bit, but, um, and, and I think it's actually so important to go into it, but, um, just the power of like the third or the shadow of, of, of another person or what couples do when they come together just by deciding to be together is, is, um, pushing all others or that third away. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I think that it's, gosh, Esther Perel talks about this. She has a, has a chapter called the shadow of the third in her book mating captivity yeah which were that's what we're referencing we're unpack it a little bit but anyway what i always come out of it with is what i get out of it is being like i'm so glad i married my husband mm -hmm. you know it, it's kind of like a confirmation it's like yeah. you want to go out and see yeah you know like what it what is this other person's life like mm -hmm. um even, even other women you yeah. know like i want to go out and be like oh you know, I'm actually happy to come home to my security that I, yeah. I thought was so boring, you know, right. or my life that I right. thought was so, you know, it's, it's, it's all of that kind of wrapped into one. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have thought about your, your question, Andrew, and my answer is, I think a good one, which is just a reminder. I think it's just a reminder. It's a good yeah. way to remind yourself that, you know what, I'm glad I chose who I did. <laughs> I mean, well, I think if you, and I actually haven't gone out to lunch with a Actually, yes, yes, I did. I went out to lunch with my life coach. Who was, mm -hmm. I was just like, I was going to say, I haven't had any uh, lunches with anybody from the opposite, opposite sex, mm -hmm. but because um, it just doesn't come up very much. But I think mm -hmm. what you get out of it, mm -hmm. I imagine, is like, there's a probably a little titillation in there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and you get a sense of independence, which I think you need. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely in a relationship, you, you need to have a sense of independence and adventure and to cultivate desire and eroticism and mystery and intrigue. Right. Yeah. Um, and to kind of break up the monotony. So mm -hmm. 
And then that also invigorates you to come home and come home happy and be like, yeah, I'm happy with where I am and who I'm with. And it's all, it's good. Yeah. Can we get a little light up in the room here? Cause it's getting pretty dark. I can't even read. <laughs> yeah. the, can't even read where I'm going here. So, yeah. um, it basically starts out the shadow of the third. It says at the boundary of every couple lives the third. He's the high school sweetheart whose hands you still remember. The pretty cashier. Um, the handsome fourth grade teacher you flirt with when you pick up your son at school. The mm. smiling stranger on the subway is the third. Um, real or imagined, embodied or not, the third is the fulcrum on which a couple balances. The third is the manifestation of our desire for what lies outside the fence. It is the forbidden. And if you guys remember the movie, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, Mm -hmm. um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are playing this married couple and they get high one night and they talk about, she talks about this fantasy she has about another man and how she loves this man so much that she would leave her her child and husband behind just to have him for like one night. Mm. And it drives Bill, the character, so crazy that he spends the rest of the movie kind of trying to figure out you know, trying to put his world back together after yeah. having learned that. And um, and it says, the menace of the third is intrinsic to the experience of love, and even the most controlling marriage may not be able to allay our anxieties. Um, nevertheless, many of us do try. Like, you were with that guy for a while. What are you talking about? You spend a lot of time on the computer. Is it all work? Mm -hmm. um, where have you been? Who was there? Did you miss me? Oh, right. Um, but in truth, desire is insubordinate. <clears throat> and um, she goes on to say that, that trouble looms when monogamy is no longer a free expression of loyalty, but a form of enforced compliance. Excessive monitoring can set the stage for what S Stephen Mitchell calls acts of exuberant defiance. When the third is denied, some people decide to negotiate it privately. Affairs, online encounters, strip clubs... And sex on business trips are common transgressions that establish psychological distance from an overbearing relationship. When the third is exiled to somewhere only permitted outside the marriage, that is where it, he is sought. Mm. Um, so isn't that interesting? It is interesting. I mean, you think about, obviously, if you're with, with somebody, you're not physically with them all the time. And there mm -hmm. are all these things and happen during the day mm -hmm. um, that might light you up a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, for me, it might be a cool exchange with a doctor at work, mm -hmm. which it sounds very unprofessional, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, not even like, um, gosh, that sounds so classy, Cla <laughs> classic, but like, <laughs> I mean, just a, a moment where you, where you feel a slight like zing, woo. You know, like that can happen anywhere. It happens on the bus or it could happen in the coffee shop or it could happen yeah. as you're walking down the street or, um, and I think those, those moments are important. And one thing I realized that I wasn't actually doing, I was, I wasn't even aware of that I was doing with Rob was like, um, doing this thing, thing that Esther Perel, when I was asking him about his day or like what he did or Esther Perel kind of classifies it as surveillance. And then like, that's not sexy. And that's kind of like pushing in on the third, right? Like yeah. where I would be like, Hey, where'd you go for lunch? what do you have to eat? Yeah. And, uh, 
uh, I realized that I shouldn't, I'm, I'm actually, I, I stopped doing that since I listened to the book, that chapter in the book, but like, that's not sexy mm-hmm. to ask your partner about that. And what do I need to know? Maybe there needs to be more intrigue. And, um, I certainly want Rob to be the free spirit and to do what he wants and feel exciting. And, and I think it's cool that I'm sure he has the same experiences that I have, you know, that I don't know about. And I, that's, that's good. And that's vital to his manhood and his sense of self, right? Like he just went on a trip to New York and, and uh, Boston by himself. And yeah. I was like, good for you. That's awesome. You're doing your own thing. I'm sure, I'm sure there was some pretty woman out there who mm. was like, Ooh, you know, you're, you spoke at Harvard. That's so cool. You're such an accomplished architect, you know, mm-hmm. that probably happened and, and good for him, you know, probably, yeah. you know, it, it, it like increases your sense of, of who you are and, and mystery. Oh, and totally. Mystery is important to have and when it comes in play with desire. Yeah, and I think that um, <clears throat> it has a lot to do with your own sexual identity that doesn't change when you become married. You you will always have right. your own sexual identity. Um, so this, this paragraph kind of talks about it. It says, armed with an ideology of love that abdic- advocates togetherness, we are awkward about pursuing autonomy. It is yeah. especially true of the individual individuality of our desire even couples who grant one another considerable space elsewhere separate vacations nice nights out on the town close friends of the opposite sex grapple with the idea that they might have an erotic life independent of each other i'm not talking about extramarital sex i'm talking about a sexual self that is discreet that generates its own images responds to others and is delighted when it gets turned on unexpectedly it is all these contingencies of desire that I will bring to bear um, on my work with couples. Mm. So I think that kind of talks about, you yeah. know, speaks to exactly what you're talking about, how you're, you're on the bus and, and some guy gives you a, like a little wink or, you know, yeah. and how, and, and you think, yeah, how special you feel. Yeah. Yes. You, feel you do alive. Feel like You're like, oh shit. Still fuck. special. Yeah. I still got it. That's what you, I mean, you know, and that it does, it, it's um, it increases your libido. energy and libido and all of that stuff. It's super important. So, yeah. what do we f- say to our our listeners in uh, long term relationships? How do how do we think that they should digest all of this? I think they should probably you know seek their own answers. You know, basically. Oh I mean, yeah, we're, we're kind of talking about. This is cathartic for us. Yeah, we're not saying go have an affair. We're just talking about like, what does it mean to be in a relationship now? Yeah. What do we do with our own thoughts and desires now? How mm-hmm. do we look at it? What's yeah. the, How is it like, it's important to remember your own individuality and sense of self and autonomy yeah. in your mm-hmm. relationship and the mundane yeah. can bring you down. Yeah. And what, what I got out of it was that I, it, there's nothing wrong with feeling like mm. there's nothing wrong with, um, having your own sexual identity and getting, getting excited when somebody flirts with you or call it, gives yeah. you a compliment, Yeah, you know, cause sometimes you feel like, Oh, oh my husband didn't Ooh. hear that or, yeah. you know, because we're a we and you know, yeah. but I think it's okay to, to find a little bit of empowerment in that. And it's probably yeah. really healthy for your relationship. Yeah. Um, also, it talks about how other couples do process this. So it says some couples choose to ignore the lure of 
or, or choose not to ignore the lure of the forbidden. Instead, they subvert its power by inviting it in. And one guy says, I would never want to be unfaithful, but knowing it's possible keeps me sexually interested in him. Or oh, this is woman. Uh, pretending there is no hands, pretending there are no handsome men in the world doesn't make my relationship safer and certainly doesn't make it more honest. And then somebody says, my girlfriend is beautiful. Men are always coming on to her. The way she laughs it off makes me feel great. She keeps picking me. These couples share fantasies, read erotica together or reminisce about the past. They admit that, yes, the delivery man was hot. So is the computer tech, the salesman at Barney's, your neurologist, your neighbor's wife. You know? Yeah. So kind of just acknowledging that it's kind of okay and normal. I think that Rob and I could probably do a bit more of acknowledging about the third. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever really, we've sort of jokingly been like, do you think that person's cute or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't, I mean, but we haven't really talked about it too much. Yeah. So, you know, we could certainly invite it in. Just like the book said. (laughs) Certain couples do that. Not everyone. And not everybody's relationship is broken either. Like sometimes you just need a a major project to do together. Sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe there's nothing wrong with my relationship at all. We just need to do something adventurous and fun together. You know, like buy another property or move move to New York or Austin Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. know, those things also bring people together and make things exciting. You don't always have to re examine your entire your life or relationship no. we're, we're kind of just sharing because these are things that I've actually been working on or you know like yeah. kind of renegotiating for myself and yeah. there's really no optimum time to do it and it's better to kind of start having baby conversations with your partner about long-term you know love and Goals commitment and, and, yeah. and what you guys you know think is appropriate for you mm-hmm. um, while you can before something devastating happens that you can't take back or, yeah. Or maybe that devastating thing is, you know, is exactly what you need. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's so interesting. Yeah. Right? Could be. Yeah. Um, I'll read this other, a couple of other two paragraphs that are, I think pretty profound. Um, These couples in their own way have chosen to acknowledge the possibility of the third, the recognition that our partner has his or her own sexuality replete with fantasies and desires that aren't necessarily about us. When we validate one another's freedom within the relationship, we're less inclined to search for it elsewhere. In this sense, inviting the third goes some way toward containing its volatility, not to mention its appeal. It's no longer a shadow, but a presence, something to talk about openly, joke about, play with. When we can tell the truth safely, we are less inclined to keep secrets. Rather than inhabiting a couple's sexuality, rest recognizing the third has a tendency to add spice, not least because it reminds us that we do um, not know, we do not own our partners. We should not take them for granted. Um, in uncertainty lies the seed of wanting. In addition, when we establish psychological distance, we too can peek at our partner with the admiring eyes of a stranger, mm. noticing once again, what habit has prevented us from seeing. Finally, renouncing others, affirms our reaffirms our choice he is the one i want we admit our roving desires yet push them back we flirt with them all the while keeping them at a safe distance perhaps this is another way of looking at maturity not as a passionless love but a love that knows of other passions not chosen 
Mm. I like that one so much. Yeah, totally. That's what all of this has really done for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're just like peeking over the fence, you know, mm-hmm. in a yeah. pretty innocent way. Yeah. That just gives you enough window into a life outside of your own. Yeah. That may be extremely familiar to you to be like, oop, nope, don't want to go over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. right. that's really what happens when you, when you do that. I think the grass is always greener. Yes. You know? Right. Like, let's say, for example... Yeah, not that we would, but if one of us did go off with somebody else or one of our friends or whatever, eventually they'd get back to a place where they'd be in the same, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd, you know, get to in a long-term relationship where they would, things become mundane again. And then there you are there. You're just exactly where you were. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, anyway, I think that, yeah, we always think the grass is always greener, but it's mm-hmm. just green right here. Yeah. It's just as green right here. It's so green. I'm so, we're so <laughs> much greenery right here right oh now. Oh my God, we're lucky. <laughs> we're so lucky. Yes, we are. Oh my God, I love it. Um, yeah, is there anything else that that struck you that you want to bring up? Um, I'm, I'm looking through this, this chapter and, and trying to find any other nuggets. Yeah, I just think... I, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, um, you know, people, you know, now in this era of modern love, we, we were, we're, we're getting together for romantic love and then we're leaving, leaving because we want to be happier not because we're not happy. Like she talked about that in one of her, um, talks, like, uh, it's acceptable. And now people like, look at you. If you're like, you're staying, you could be happier, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an interesting thought. Uh, oh yeah. The idea of like, I'm happy, but could I be happier? Right. That was a really interesting part. Yeah. Yeah. People are divorcing f- so they could be happier now. Right. I guess there's like a 50% divorce rate. And then people who marry again have a 65% divorce rate. Yeah. And then there's, it must be like they the the way that they feel about the institution of marriage is i mean it's different right if you like can just if you leave it once and you have a much mm-hmm. uh wait 65 percent. oh that's yes that's more sorry i yeah. just got confused with my math yes so the but they're more likely to divorce if they've divorced yeah in the first place but that's because i think it's easier to leave if they've mm-hmm. done it once they can do it again yeah I do find that the idea of marriage to be on its own completely like, like, like it, it, it alone makes me feel like I want to get out of it. You know what I mean? Really? Because it's so scary. Yeah. Because I, I often just think about like being a failure or, mm-hmm. you know, like if I ever had to get a divorce, like, I, I mean, and I'm a child of divorce. I am deathly terrified of ever yeah. divorcing or whatever that means, breaking up a family, breaking up a million hearts, you know, as opposed to just my husband. I think he would be fine if, you know, he's often told me like, I would be okay. Everyone will live and survive. We'll all go on. If, you know, yeah. if you're not happy, we could, we could do things differently. Yeah. You know, he wants me to be happy above all else. Yeah. Which I think is, is a wonderful way to look at anything in life. You know, you, mm-hmm. you want the best for your partner, even if that means not being with you. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like sometimes it's like, oh, what if, what if something bad does happen? Or, you know, yeah. what, what will happen to my children's mm-hmm. lives? I will, I will have ruined their lives. 
Mm. You know, and and maybe that's because <laughs> I feel like my life was ruined when my parents got divorced. You yeah. know, to some extent, but I mean, not really, because um, I was thinking about it with with a, a very dear friend of mine, and I was like, "But they're gonna do drugs, Be, you know? If 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 divorce ever happens, children will go out and do drugs, and yeah, and, um, you know, have they won't be confident. All of the things that happen to me, they'll be promiscuous. There'll be these things that are, you know, socially undesirable. They'll be sad. They'll cry. They'll be scarred. Maybe they won't ever have long term love, or or all of those big fears. And she was like. All of us did that. None of our parents are divorced, you know. I know. <laughs> I was I know. like, oh my god, that's a really good point because I've I been know. thinking like, I, the, I poor me, yeah, uh, as a divorced person, you know. Yeah, that's a true statement. Yeah, yeah, I concur. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a, my parents are still together. Rob's parents are still together. Um, I always want imagined that I would get married, and I believed in marriage. Um, but I do remember like right, right before uh-huh. getting married uh-huh. and when we were in Mexico uh-huh. and being like, oh my God. And, and <laughs> Melanie was right there I doing? and Melanie was right there. And I was like, oh my God, Melanie, I'm really nervous. What the fuck am I doing? And she was like, uh, I'm glad you, well, I'm not going to do her justice. What did she say? She was just like, I'd be worried if you weren't nervous. Here's a shot of tequila. And yeah. <laughs> She, we did. I'm not, I was like, right, 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 right. I'm nervous for a reason, right? I'm embarking yeah. on a life with one person, right. but there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also like, well, then you're navigating this relationship for the rest of our lives. Yeah, with one one person who is the soulmate that was that was originally ordained for God. Mm-hmm. Like, of anyway, it's just it's nuts. It's yeah. Nuts. But no shit. Right. And it, and I think it's really more about being monogamous. That's the scary part. Like, because I think that's what differentiates that relationship oh, uh-huh. from others. Uh-huh. Right. That sex you're with be, one. Yeah. Sex with one forever. And, and I think it's doable. I just think that the fact that you're like, you know, breaking a vow or all those things about marriage are just, you know, the construct itself. Mm-hmm. Or it just feels like, you can't live up to it almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like destined for failure because it's so restricting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's why I think that, I mean, in these conversations I've never had with my husband. I, yeah. Really. I mean, in like, how, how can we expect to make it all the way through yeah. if we're not having conversations like this once in a while about yeah. how afraid we are Yeah, that I'm going to fuck it up or yeah. once in a while, you know, I have other feelings about, you know. Yeah. People on the bus or at the coffee shop or, yeah. you know, all that's those little not, things. It's all, all very that normal. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's because we're afraid of hurting people, but we're going to hurt them way more if we go out and do something terrible, you know, and yeah. just like cheat or, you know. Yes. So I think it's just, I think the one thing I'm going to walk away from this, go ahead. Make oh, point. no, my point, I was pointing my finger, though, the thing that you were talking about earlier about affairs and how, what do you feel about them and how you, you know, don't want to judge them or whatever. I do have a judgment and yeah. my judgment is give that person the opportunity to step out or to bear your true thoughts about what your issues are. Yeah. So you can have a chance to repair it or right. have them give them an opportunity to walk away so that you can do this free and clear without, you know, 
hurting somebody else in the process. Right. It is about the way it goes down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that you make a good point there. But I, I think for me, the takeaway about this conversation is just like be having more courageous conversations with your partner about, yeah. about like modern love. Yeah. And what it means. Yeah. And maybe if it makes you feel better not to call yourself married, but you know, you, you are, you are technically married, but you just, it, it feels like more of a choice and it feels sexier. Yeah. That way, then that's what you do. Yeah. I think th- it's a good time to start making our own rules about yeah. things. Yep. You know, we do what we want to do. We do what we want to do. <laughs> we'll say what we want to say. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Okay, well, this has been an awesome uh, session today on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it up, Allie. Yeah, you're welcome. It's like I, we talked about I talked about it, walked into it with trepidation. I think we did okay. Little, yeah, I think it was good. I, I hope it helps some people. Yeah, you must email us your thoughts about it, guys. Yeah. We'd be interested to know. Yeah. And, and if you end up um, listening to any of Esther Perel's TED Talks or anything please let us know what you, what you think. Cause she's, I think she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Peace out, Ellie. Peace out, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. Please follow us on Instagram at Meltdown City Podcast, or you can email us at MeltdownCityPodcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out on our website at MeltdownCityPodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.